With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. From NJ.com, this is Talk is Cheap, a New York Giants podcast. We're talking big blue football all year round. Welcome aboard, Giants fans, to episode 81 of Talk is Cheap, our New York Giants podcast right here on NJ.com. I'm Joe Giglio, joined as always by James Cratch and Dan Duggan. They cover the Giants for NJ Advanced Media. And before we get into everything today, as you heard, there are new intro, so we hope you guys like it as we uh, have a little new music to start our podcast as we go into the offseason here. Uh, and a lot probably will change around the Giants both now and in the long-term future. And we're going to spend this episode, as we talked a little bit about last week, off of the end of the season and what the team had to say, particularly Jerry Reese, the GM, after the last game against the Packers, the playoff loss, about Eli Manning and his future and the future of the Giants quarterback position. Something that, James, I'm not sure how many Giants podcasts are out there and how long they've been uh, up and running, but probably hasn't been much of a topic on any sort of medium around the Giants for a long time. The future of the quarterback position, because this Eli guy has had it locked down for a long time, and now for the first time in a while, there's actually you know thought about the next quarterback. No, I mean, you know, last year when we went to the Senior Bowl and the NFL Combine, you know, my first time there, it kind of you know amazed me how you know especially like the, the Eagles mainly because you know, obviously we cover them and you know, I was paying more attention to them. But you see these teams they they hit the off season circuit leading to the draft and. You know, there's this you know kind of buzz, excitement, but I also think a lot of pressure. You know, they have to go find a quarterback, and if they don't find a quarterback, then people are going to get fired. And you know, this kind of the vicious cycle in the NFL where you don't have a quarterback, you don't really have a chance at success. Just continues. But the Giants be able to go and just kind of sit back, relax. I mean, they evaluate all the quarterbacks, but they've never really had to actively, I think, consider them. You know, because they have their guy, but. Now they're getting to a point where they're going to have to kind of jump into that you know, quarterback search mode. Maybe not this year, maybe not next year. It's not a pressing issue, but it's going to happen at some point because Eli is 36 years old. And I think that's just kind of a new feel for the Giants and their fans and probably the team to, to really be actively thinking about what the future is of the position. Dan, when you look at this situation with the Giants and Eli you know, and the year he just had, is the Giants need a quarterback pressing to you? Is this an immediate thing, or is this more of just the Giants and, and the idea of being proactive here so when that day arrives, they're ready? Yeah, no, I think it's definitely more of just being proactive. I mean, you're not going to go bring somebody in to compete you know, for the starting job with Eli. Certainly not at that point. I mean, A, you're just paying him so much it wouldn't really be uh, the wisest move. But, I mean, he didn't, he didn't have a great year this year, but, I mean, he still is the guy, and, and there's nothing this year to suggest that you know, he's over the hill. You know, obviously he didn't get hurt. He stays healthy every year. Um, so really no reason to think about someone coming in and, and like, like I said, pushing for the starting job. But I absolutely think they need to be proactive because you can't wait till Eli breaks down and say, oh, now we have to go get a quarterback. That's just not really the way it typically works. Uh, I think if you want to kind of keep things on an upswing, because aside from Eli, a lot of that core is pretty young. I think you, get, you draft a quarterback this year in, in the mid-rounds, and we'll, we'll get into probably more of that later. And then hopefully in two, three, four years, whenever that time comes, 
that guy's ready to take over, um, you know, for Eli. And obviously, you see how it worked in Green Bay. I mean, uh, that was a pretty, uh, pretty good transition there to, to have a guy like Aaron Rodgers waiting in the wings, and we've seen how that's worked out. So uh, obviously, that's the blueprint everyone would love to follow. Uh, but I think that's just the way they need to look at this. They don't need to, you know, I don't think they need to trade up and, and get the number one quarterback in this draft or anything crazy like that. But I think they do need to invest uh, in, in the position. So there's somebody there just, you know, kind of being groomed to take over Eli whenever that day comes. So what happened this year? I, I think we could all agree he wasn't awful. He wasn't bad. And, and, like, and James, like Dan just said, it's not to the point where they have to replace Eli tomorrow. But the first couple years in Ben McAdoo's system, Eli's numbers got better than before he was in Ben McAdoo's system. This year, they weren't that. I mean, you look at the numbers compared to other quarterbacks in the NFL. He was 22nd in rating. He was 17th in yards, 17th in completion percentage, 25th in yards per attempt. I mean, generously, if we're being generous, he was in the middle of the pack this year in terms of performance of quarterbacks. James, when you watch him, is this decline? Was this the offense around him? Was this him, a combination? What happened to Eli this year? What did you see? I don't think it was decline. I mean, you talk to people who you know have a background in football, and you know, I, I did that story with Charlie Casserly. He said he didn't really see any physical decline in Eli. I think the fact that the way Eli played against the Packers in the playoff game before you know, things kind of got out of hand was proof that you know physically I, I think he's still there. I, I think it's a combination of issues. I think that you know, obviously, this is something that Giants fans don't want to hear. But I, I think overall, Eli is kind of a middle, upper middle of the pack quarterback in the NFL. And, you know, he didn't have a very good offensive line around him. I thought it was very clear that he was kind of jittery. Uh, he was kind of sensing pressure maybe when it wasn't there. I think the, the pressure definitely got to him. They didn't have much of a running game for him to kind of rely on and, and play off of. I thought they had certain issues. You know, they didn't have a really great tight end. We know Eli likes to go to the tight end. They didn't have a game breaker there. I thought they kind of needed another, you know, down the field vertical presence on the outside at receiver. They didn't have that. So, and I, I just think that you look at Eli's performance this year. You're right, it was mediocre at best. But I don't, I don't think you can pin it on physical decline. I think it's more of a combination of a lot of things, which starts with Eli. I just don't think he played very well this year. But I, I don't think he's physically declining at this point, which is something the Giants can kind of hang their hat on going into the offseason in the sense that if they can get more protection around him, maybe get him more weapons, they think he might be able to bounce back to where he was in 2015. Dan, what did you see? Are you, are you on a similar page that it wasn't a physical thing, it wasn't a decline on Eli's part, it was a combination of factors? Or, or do you see a quarterback that's, that's best days are behind him here? Yeah, no, I really agree pretty much with everything James said. I mean, because I think when you're talking about physical decline, you're looking at things such as injuries, like his body breaking down. That simply wasn't the case. I mean, obviously, he took every snap as he does every season. So there's no sign that, his, again, his body's breaking down. Then you talk about, you know, in terms of physicality on the field, performance-wise, I mean, I don't recall a lot of throws that were, you know, he didn't have any zip on him. I don't think that was really ever his problem. I know he's not this rifle-arm guy. It's never necessarily been his strength, but... You know, there was a few underthrown balls or whatnot that every quarterback has, but there wasn't any uh, kind of recurring issue where, oh, man, his arm really looks weak. He's getting you know, picked off on a 10-yard out route, anything like that. So uh, I, I didn't see anything there physically. At the same time, I mean, just as you get older as an athlete, it might not be uh, a tremendous drop-off, but there is going to be just a, a decline in play uh, you know, as you get older. And some of the stuff where you know, the decision-making – Again, I'm not saying it's because he's getting old and his, his mind's not firing quite as quickly, but 
Uh, you know, it is interesting that, that he definitely, uh, you know, probably had one of his worst uh, seasons as far as decision making. And I think the, as James said, though, I think a lot had to do with the pass protection. I, I think it just there's a reality there that when you don't trust the guys that are there to protect you, uh, you're just human nature. I mean, you're gonna get rid of the ball quicker. You're gonna make some bad decisions because you're trying not to get hit. I mean, I know everyone likes to think that these guys should all just stand in there and and take a pounding like Eli did in the. Uh, NFC Championship game a few years back, but that's just not realistic, and that's just not how it's going to work. So um, I don't think that there's a, a tremendous physical drop-off. Uh, I think there were some concerning signs that, again, as, as James said, he's, he's just not Aaron Rodgers. He's not that good of a quarterback, so he needs to have you know a strong cast around him, and I think that's really where the letdown was this year. So, James, as you look at the Giants and what they might do in this draft or they might do in the, in the offseason here and moving forward, how do you think they should strike the balance between the window they have with Eli, which is clearly open right now? I mean, they made the playoffs. They were 11-5. and five. They were a good team this year with him as the quarterback compared to you know, not wanting to wait too long to do this. I mean, I, I think back, and Dan mentioned the Aaron Rodgers-Brett Favre thing, which was the right move. But I remember in the moment there how upset Brett Favre seemed to be because in his mind, like, we only have a few years left here and the window's still open. Why are you wasting a high pick on a quarterback? Clearly, it wasn't a waste. Look what they have now. But in the moment, I got that. I'm sure some Packers fans thought that. So how high is too high to draft a quarterback? How much resources too much to put into a position that is not helping them win next year? I think how high is too high, I think it depends on, you know, when they look at the quarterback. I mean, if Deshaun Watson is there at 23 and they are convinced that this guy is a franchise quarterback, then I would say take him. Because, you know, remember the Giants, they have needs, but this comes, you know, the draft comes after free agency, so they have to kind of reassess where they stand at that point, you know, what they were able to accomplish in free agency. But if they don't think that, you know, one of these guys is a no-doubt guy, then I would say wait until the, the, the third round. I mean, if you think there's great, if you think there's, you know, value in a second-round pick, I can understand that. If, if Watson or Deshaun Kaiser, or Mitch Trubisky, although I, I don't see how those guys are going to fall to the second round, just the way these things go. Yeah, take them, but I, that's what I would say. If, you, if you're convinced that this guy is no doubt, and you are sitting there looking at your board saying, I have no idea how the hell this guy has come here, we had him number three overall on our board, then take him. But if you don't feel that way, I, I think Dan's right. Stick to the middle rounds. Get a guy who, hey, if everything works out, he's the, he's the guy. And if it doesn't work out, well, then you basically just have what you probably are going to have happen with Ryan Nassib. He's there for four years, doesn't cost a lot, hopefully he never has to play, and then he'll just shuffle on out probably after his rookie contract expires. Is there a too high, Dan? Is there a too much to invest in a backup, whether it be some sort of trade of a young guy or, or a first-round draft pick? I mean, like again, the Packers did it, and they did it well, but there's a different animal that we deal with here and you guys deal with in New York. I mean, I just, I'm trying to envision whether it be Deshaun Watson or somebody else, if they took a quarterback in the first round, you know, Eli's first poor game next year already would be a controversy. Yeah, no, I think, I think James, again, laid it out well. Aaron Rodgers was kind of an exception. If you remember back in that year, I think he was basically considered – a one or a two, and somehow, you know, I don't even really remember why he just dropped. And if, again, if that type of thing happens, I don't even think there's a quarterback that's good enough for them to take a 23 with the holes they have because, again, Eli isn't breaking down. I think you can feel confident that you have him for the next three or four years. So I think it'd be crazy to use a pick in the first round, a pick in the second round. I think you look at that 
third, fourth, even fifth round. I mean, you, you look around the NFL, there's plenty of quarterbacks that are starters that were drafted in, in those rounds. I mean, obviously, it's not a slam dunk, but you don't need a slam dunk because, again, you have Eli here. And, again, it's like the NASA thing where if all goes well, the guy never plays or doesn't play for two or three years because Eli stays healthy and, and plays well, and, and he's really just an insurance policy. So I think it would be nuts to, to use an early pick when you have gaping holes at spots that you need immediate help at. So, uh, you know, I, I always kind of go back to the Patriots because obviously no one really handles you know, the roster better than Belichick, and I believe Garoppolo was a second-round pick. Uh, maybe they could afford to do that that year. But uh, I, I think that's, that's the ideal scenario is – you know, best case, Garoppolo would be ready to take over Brady, but more likely they're going to be able to trade him and get good value. So if you're the Giants, that's what I'd want to emulate. Get a young guy who you can develop, um, who you'll be a capable backup if, if Eli gets a four-game suspension for playing footballs. Um, otherwise, he's a, he's a trade piece down the road, or he's the, he's the heir apparent you know, even further down the road. So I think that's what I look at. As far as backups, certainly would not invest the significant amount of money in like a veteran backup. I just There's plenty of cheap veterans that you can get to come in for one year especially if you i think if you draft a young guy you probably want to go that route so that if eli did get hurt and miss four games you could plug a little more established guy in there than some fourth round pick uh, although that worked out pretty well for dallas uh this year uh so kind of going round and round but my, my my bottom line is i don't think it's a position you need to invest heavily in this year but you need to make some investment it's a joke go ahead james just to get back what you said about the the controversy i think you're absolutely right you know, look at Eli had some really bad games this year, but there never was really a serious call for a quarterback change because no one, I don't think, thought that Ryan Nassib or, or Josh Johnson was going to be an upgrade. But if you bring in a guy, forget a guy like, uh, forget Watson or Trubisky or Kaiser. I mean, if you draft someone like, you know, Pat Mahomes, the kid from Texas Tech that seems going to be kind of a popular name the next couple of months, if you draft him in the second round, or even the third round, and kind of sell him on, we think this guy could be the guy, well, people are going to want that guy coming in. If you draft you know, the, the kid from you know, Montana, Gustafsson, in the sixth round, and, and say he's a project, I don't think people are going to demand that he start. But if you bring a quarterback in with some sort of profile, and an Eli doesn't play well, it's only natural that, people are going to demand that he play. So I think that's something that the Giants would have to take into account. And then, look, they might just say, you know, who cares? We'll ignore the noise, and they probably would. But that would happen. And Dan's point about a veteran backup, I kind of, I think that you don't want to break the bank on a veteran backup, but I also feel that when you have a 36-year-old quarterback and you are hoping to contend for a Super Bowl, which is where I think the Giants ultimately believe they're going to land in 2017, I feel like it's worth spending an extra million dollars or two to have a quarterback that you feel that, okay, if Eli gets hurt, chances are the whole thing is screwed anyway. But if you have a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick, and I'm just throwing him out as a name, you can kind of say to yourself, all right, well, this guy can hold down the fort for six weeks until Eli gets back. Or you know, something happens like with the Raiders or the Titans, and this happens at the very end of the season. I don't think it's complete meltdown mode. If you're going to the playoffs with this guy, you know, chances are you're not going to have much success in the playoffs with that backup. But you also can kind of convince yourselves that if you play the game right and you protect the football and you lean on your defense, you've got a chance. So I, I do think there is some value in a championship caliber team spending a little bit more money to bring in a guy who has starting experience and that if some, the worst happens, it's not going to be a complete meltdown. You can kind of see a path forward for you to be successful. 
the amazing part is we're, we're in uncharted waters here when it comes to the Giants and Eli. I mean, completely. They've never really had one of those backups. I mean, David Carr, I guess you could put in that mold because he did start a significant amount of games when he was young, but he was so far removed from being a starter at that point. You know, it didn't even pop. Like, oh, yeah, they have David Carr as the backup. Fitzpatrick would even – he's not any good, but he'd cause a little ripple. Like, oh, they have a legitimate backup now. And the same thing if they draft a guy high. Dan, I want to go to this point on – the rest of the league, right? Because getting a quarterback isn't just when you want to get it. It's some timing and luck in there. And, you know, you look around, the Giants are in a spot that, and James a, a little while ago mentioned the Eagles from last year. One of the things the Eagles said last year and the reason they went out to go get Carson Wentz is they looked at the rest of the league, and I'm sure the Giants were part of what they looked at and said, man, there's a lot of teams out there that are soon going to need a quarterback. You know, teams that have quarterbacks in their mid to late 30s, we should go get our guy now before it's going to be a, you know, a free-for-all when all these teams need quarterbacks at once. You know, you have the Chargers with Rivers. Um, you have Ben Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh. You have Drew Brees. You have Brady. Uh, I'm not sure when all these teams are going to have to replace those guys, but that day is coming for all these teams. You think that's part of the Giants thinking, too, that maybe we get our guy now before four other teams need their guy in the same year we do? Uh, no, I don't think that should be a big consideration because, like you said, you don't know when all those other guys are going to retire or move on, and you don't know when Eli is going to. I think you just have to make the best decision for your team and based on what's available that year in the draft. I mean, maybe they look at this year and say, there's not a quarterback that we feel like we can develop. I mean, McAdoo said that it's not a position you want to chase. You don't want to just draft a guy in the third round to draft a guy in the third round. If you don't feel like there's a guy available in those mid-rounds that can eventually be a competent backup or obviously eventually a starter, then don't even bother. Then do it next year. That is the luxury of having Eli, again, with his durability and, again, with his contract. They're not going to be looking to move on from Eli anytime soon. So it's not a pressing issue. But, yeah, I don't think you can look uh, at those other guys because those other guys are, you know, actually most of those guys you named are at a higher level than, than Eli and, uh, you know, either obviously around the same age, maybe a little older, but there's no sign that Tom Brady's slowing down anytime soon or Drew Brees or, or Roethlisberger. So, I don't think you can start to play defense, not when you're in this position. I mean, the Eagles, obviously, uh, we're looking at, you know, at a totally different situation. But uh, that is sort of the luxury I think that Eli gives you is that you can kind of count on him being there. Again, obviously, uh, you probably want to knock on wood if you're a Giants fan, but the guy just doesn't miss games. Uh, again, there's no signs that that's going to change anytime soon. So uh, I think you make the pick based on what you feel like is out there. And again, I do agree with McAdoo. You don't just make the pick to say, hey, we got a young quarterback because, I mean, they did it with Nassib in the fourth round. and. Uh, obviously, he never got to play, but there was never any signs that he was going to be the guy. So, uh, not saying that was a mistake because you know it was a fourth round pick, but I think you do have to be a little selective and make sure you're getting a guy who you actually see uh, as having a future here. James, when you look at this class and you look at the quarterbacks coming out, I know you talked a little bit about it last week um, and some thoughts you had. I mean, what do you see here beyond just the the players and and who they are and where they're coming from? We all know Deshaun Watson now after watching the national championship game in college football over the last couple of years. But is this a deep quarterback class? Does it seem strong that there's a guy there, you think, in the second, third, fourth round, somewhere in there? What do you think so far? And it's early. And we still have, you know, all these different postseason games, senior bowl, the combine, all that stuff is still to come. But as you sit here right now, your, your overall thoughts on, on what the Giants have to look at in this offseason quarterback-wise. I don't think it's a very deep quarterback class. I think all the you know draft experts have been saying that. I look at, I guess I think Trubisky probably is the top guy, but you know he hasn't played a whole heck of a lot. I think Watson and Kaiser, 
accomplished college quarterbacks. I mean, Deshaun Watson's had, had one of the greatest you know, college careers of any player in history. You know, gets the two national title games, wins a national title in his last game. But is he going to translate to the NFL? You know, he's a guy who kind of had his struggles early on in the year at Clemson. I, I look at the, the middle round guys. I mean, you know, there's some intriguing options. I think Nathan Peterman from Pitt, Davis Webb from Cal or two guys that are kind of intriguing as, you know, third, fourth round picks. But it's not a it's not a can't miss quarterback class, I think. But then again, I don't look at this class and say, well, I think that guy is gonna be a definite no doubt NFL starter. But at the same time, I have to admit, when I was at the senior bowl last year and Dak Prescott was there, I saw him and Jacoby Brissett off to the side and I thought to myself excuse me, I thought to myself, not myself, don't have multiple personalities. I said I, you know, these guys, you know, they might be backups, but Dak Prescott's now the franchise quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys, and Brissett showed impressed with the Patriots. So, I, I mean, I'm not a quarterback guru. I don't think it's a great class, but I think there could be a couple of quality players in there. Just, you have to get them at the right round at the right value. And I think going back to what you said about the veteran quarterbacks about to hit the market, we're getting to a point where I think it, we're going to have a quarterback hit the open market in free agency, something that's really never happened in the league. Could be Cousins, uh, probably won't be Matt Stafford, but he, his contract's going to be up in a year or two. And I think that's, gonna, that's another thing teams have to consider, is that there is going to be, when one of those quarterbacks finally hits the market, you're going to see ridiculous numbers and salaries, and that's going to jack I think the salary level for quarterbacks around the league up considerably. So I also think there is some value in getting a young quarterback in the system so you get that cheap you know, salary cap stuff with the rookie deal and you can kind of maybe get him extended long term before the boom happens. Yeah, that certainly could change things. It could change the whole landscape of the NFL. And the one thing that has been, and as James, you were just saying there about uh, the Dallas Cowboys and Dak Prescott, the one thing that is so different now than even, you know, I don't know, two years ago, is the landscape of quarterbacks in the NFC East, Dan. I mean, you guys watched it all year covering the, the six games the Giants play against the NFC East. If we assume the Redskins keep Kirk Cousins and he doesn't leave, whether it's a franchise tag or whatever they end up working out there, it feels like the other three teams in the division have something here they believe in long term. Certainly the Cowboys with Dak Prescott. Certainly the Eagles with Carson Wentz. Uh, we could probably throw Kirk Cousins into that mix, so that's the other three teams. And now the Giants are, are moving towards the opposite. It's weird, Dan. It's like it's flipped because the Giants for years were the only team in the NFC East at any stability at quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of the cyclical nature. Like you said, I mean, a lot of for a long time, the other three teams would look at the Giants and, and probably be envious. And uh, not that the Giants maybe are envious at this point, but yeah, obviously, if you, if you kind of project down the road, I think you'd rather have those other teams' quarterback situations uh, for no other reason than the age factor. Uh, but again, I mean, I think that's just, that's just kind of the way it goes. I mean, uh, I think, you know, even even right now today, I, I think it's still take Eli over any of those guys um, for next season. Of course, that, you know, that can change pretty quick. You know, Prescott looked pretty good uh, in his playoff debut, and, and Cousins obviously had a great season. But, um, yeah, I don't, I, again, I don't think anything like that should affect the Giants' plans. I mean, they have a window here, and obviously if they handle things right, they can move on and extend the window with, you know, again, if it's Aaron Rodgers, that'd be great, but... You know, it doesn't have to close with Eli, but I think they're going to have to kind of go all in these next couple of years. And if that means in, in three years that they're looking up at, you know, Carson Wentz becoming a Pro Bowler and Dak Prescott continuing what he's doing, 
that's just kind of part of the deal. I mean, that's what happens when you invest in a, you know, a quarterback. You only can have one that's, that's going to be your guy. And, and for the Giants right now, it's a 36-year-old. So uh, I think that's just what they deal with. And uh, it, was, you know, it was good enough this year to be better, obviously, than, than filling Washington. But this division is going to be really good, it looks like. So that, that's kind of uh, going to be a challenge. And it's kind of going to be interesting to watch, see how that all plays out. James, do you think Eli Manning will get different treatment than other quarterbacks in the spot? I mean, we're talking about the greatest quarterback in Giants history. We're talking about a guy that's won two Super Bowls, hasn't missed a start since 2004. This is never easy. I mean, regardless of how it plays out this offseason, and I think we're all on the same page, that they're not going to bring in his successor for next season. But whatever the, the scenario, how it plays out and when that day is, do you, I mean, this is not going to be easy for them. I mean, it, they... They ushered Tom Coughlin out. They ushered some other greats out that were part of this run. But, but Eli's been different because he's been there in the face of this franchise for a long time. I'm sure they're not you know, enjoying having to think about this because you know, it's never easy for any franchise to, to usher a star out slowly or, or if they have to do it in a fast way. How do you think it's going to play out when that day comes? I, I think it'll play out fine just because I, I, you can look at the, the Favre-Rogers situation but, I mean, that was, you know, messy and the, the retirement and the non-retirement. And, you know, the Packers, you know, kind of basically told Brett Favre, like, look, we can't do this anymore. And, and you know, Favre, I mean, I don't see, I don't see the Giants. I, I, wouldn't, I don't think Eli is a guy who's necessarily going to make this very difficult at the end. I mean, I, I think, obviously, if the Giants came to Eli tomorrow and said, yeah, we we're done. I obviously I think you'd have a problem with that. But if they get to the natural end of his contract and the Giants want to, you know, make a move, I don't think Eli is the guy who's going to, you know, hold the team hostage and demand to be traded to New Orleans or something. I mean, he's built a home here in New Jersey. This is kind of where he's grown up, you know, since you know got drafted. I, I think this is home for him. And I I really don't think Eli is a guy who's going to make this messy at the end. I think it, you know. If at the end of his contract, the Giants say, you know, hey, this is what we're going to do. I mean, it wouldn't shock me if Eli retires at the end of his contract. You know, he's got three more years left and they go. It also wouldn't shock me if, you know, they get to the end of the contract and Eli's playing really well and they just made a playoff run. He says, you know, I want to play another two years. I think the Giants, John Merrill, would just go and write and sign the contract in another two years. I really think that Eli is going to be the quarterback as long as he wants to be the quarterback. And I think he's going to be the quarterback as, as long as he can be the quarterback. And when that natural point comes, I think it'll end relatively, you know, definitely without any controversy or issues. I don't see Eli playing for another team in his career. I don't see a big mess happening. I think the Giants will handle it sort of the way of Coughlin. I mean, at the end, it might be a firm, look, this is what the team is doing. But I, I do think it'll be an amicable, amicable end to the road. Dan, when you look at it, uh, a best guess. You know, down the line, how do you think this whole thing ends with Eli Manning? And it doesn't mean it's tomorrow. Three years left on the contract, they haven't even done anything to to, to secure their their potential successor. But how do you, what do you think the best case scenario is? And then how, what's the most realistic in your mind? Uh, well, I, mean, I think the best case probably for all sides, especially if they are able to find a, a young guy to to groom as a successor, would be him to play out this contract uh, obviously if you sprinkle in another Lombardi trophy that we're talking best case and then like you know like James said kind of ride off quietly in the sunset I don't think they really you know want to look forward and, and think about having a 40 and 41 year old Eli Manning I mean that it's hard to imagine him still playing at a high level that far down the road but uh, you know I think 
no reason to think he won't be able to play out these last three years. As far as what's realistic, I, I think that's probably realistic too. I don't, I don't see them, you know, cutting ties again because it was just last year he had arguably the best season of his career. So I don't think he's that far from being, you know, a very solid quarterback. I don't think they're going to find somebody better than him, you know, overnight. So I think he's going to be the guy for the next couple of years. I mean, he's going to have the best wide receiver in the NFL to throw to. So that'll obviously help kind of keep Eli Young by extension. Um, but yeah, I think definitely, I think in three years when this this massive contract is up. It's going to be time to obviously step back. I mean, we don't know how he's going to play, but you know, it's kind of history tells you by that point, 39 years old, probably be time to move on. And, and I, yeah, I don't think any of the other stuff should really be a concern. I think we're talking too much the sentimentality or, or public perception. Kind of who cares if, if you know if Eli's 39 is the greatest giant ever? It's not going to ruin his legacy if they kind of usher him out the door. Just like people still have you know warm feelings about Tom Coughlin, you know, less than a year after you know, he got pushed out the door. So. Uh, I think the team has to be kind of selfish and, and a little unsentimental in that regard. And, and again, I think Eli will handle it well. I don't think it'll be a really ugly, messy divorce. But even look at his brother. It didn't really end that great in Indianapolis. But I think, you know, all's well that ends well there. And, uh, you know, obviously the Colts, it worked out. They got Andrew Luck. And I don't think they would change anything about the way they handled that. You know, might have been messy uh, at first in the, in the immediate aftermath. But at the end of the day, it's about setting your franchise up to win. And I think the Giants will be in that same boat. So uh, I do think Eli will, will probably be ready to hang him up, you know, in three years. But who knows? He's never really said. That's what's interesting. You know, Tom Brady's on record as saying he wants to play to at least, you know, 50. Uh, Eli kind of always dodges that question. Uh, so it will be interesting to see uh, how that plays out. But I, I think it'd be probably, probably best for all parties if three years, you know, hopefully for their sake, they have some success and, and then just kind of both sides move on at the end. Yeah, the only thing Eli ever does is post stuff and play every week. He never says anything, never does anything else. He's just out there, I guess, until the one week we watch the game, or you guys are covering it, and he's not under center. We'll end with this, James. Um, I saw that Jerry Reese is down at the East-West Shrine game. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of the Giants mm-hmm. contingent all around quarterbacks this coming offseason and all these different events. You know, the East-West Shrine, you have the, uh, you know, the senior, but all that kind of stuff's coming up over the next couple months. When you look at the Giants' franchise right now and the people in power to make these decisions I mean last time they did this and I mean draft a quarterback of any significance Ernie Accorsi was there Tom Coughlin was in his first year you had some some people that were around the NFL for a long time and then they knew quarterbacks and all that kind of stuff and they landed on Eli and away they went this time it's Jerry Reese how much do you think they're going to lean on Ben McAdoo considering one he's the head coach but two He's the quarterback guy, then he's the offensive guy that they, they brought in here to, to help with Eli in the beginning of this. I mean, how, how do you think the decision-making will come and who are they going to lean on here to get this next quarterback whenever that day comes? Yeah, I think those two guys are definitely have a big role. You look at Reese, I mean, he's never really kind of picked a quarterback. Obviously, Ernie brought Kerry Collins in when they made the that Super Bowl run, and he, obviously he was the guy who pushed to draft Eli. You know, some people have kind of asked, you know, will they lean on Ernie? I don't think they really can lean on him heavily, at least in a public role. From my understanding, Ernie's, you know, a paid consultant with the Lions, so I think that his quarterback expertise would be going to them. I mean, I guess I'm sure Jerry could drop him a text or something, get his thoughts on a quarterback. But I think Ben is a very big piece of this puzzle for a couple of reasons. One, I mean, you know, what is Ben like in a quarterback? Does Ben want to draft a guy who is already kind of in a, a similar you know, system as much as you can be in college. Is Ben looking to draft a quarterback that fits his system, or is Ben looking to draft a quarterback and kind of tailor the system to fit that quarterback? You know, obviously there would be a learning curve because I think Ben, you know, doesn't. I, I think it'd be 
Well, I mean, you guys have seen the play call sheet. I don't think you can call Ben McAdoo's offense simple, although they basically run the same formation and play half the time. But I, I also think, you know, another big question I have is, what is Ben's approach with a young quarterback? You know, we, we don't, there's no track record. There's no, you know, prior instances where he's had to roll with a young quarterback. Is Ben the type of guy who is perfectly okay to go 5-11 and 11 with a young quarterback who's going to make, you know, three boneheaded throws every game and, you know, then come to the sideline and, and Ben's just going to kind of shake his head and, you know, why did you throw the ball there, you know, or is Ben, you know, kind of cut from that John Gruden mode where he just doesn't ever want to really deal with a young quarterback and he's always going to, you know, kind of want to have a veteran in there, someone who's not going to make those mistakes. I think that's a big key because if they're intent on developing their own quarterback, but Ben is not a guy who wants to go out there and deal with growing pains, you know, like we kind of saw with Carson Wentz, then they probably have to get a guy sooner rather than later. So that guy can have two or three years in practice and learning the system before they put him out on the field. If they're perfectly fine with kind of having a lost season with a rookie quarterback finding his way and kind of learning by experience, then maybe they don't have to pull the trigger until you know a year or two before Eli is done in that sense. So I think Ben is going to play a very big role in this. He's never really picked a quarterback. Uh, he is a quarterback's coach, but we have to see what he wants to do what he values, and then I think ultimately how much he wants to play that young quarterback whenever they get that quarterback before that guy is maybe ready to play in the NFL. Is he willing to kind of eat with those growing pains? It's entirely possible that McAdoo is, this is all a big ruse, and that McAdoo's thinking about trading for a backup quarterback somewhere, or, or he has thinks that he can get a veteran when Eli retires. I think you know, you read, you know, Coughlin going back to Jacksonville. A lot of times, you know, Garoppolo obviously is a high-profile backup quarterback everyone talks about, but we don't necessarily know who these guys are. You know, Peter King wrote that he was visiting Tom for a story, and he just happened to see a, a VHS tape that said Mark Brunel. Well, that was the first time anybody had ever thought that someone would be interested in trading for Mark Brunel, who was a backup at the Packers at the time. So, for all we know, he's got his eyes on some guy that we're not even thinking about, and that guy will be here at some point. But I do think Ben will play a major role in how they do this process going forward. Well, if they find another Mark Brunel out of this, I think the Giants fans will be pretty happy. That guy could really play. Uh, guys, this was fun. Um, and it was a, a podcast I don't know, know if we thought we'd have at this point, but the Giants and Eli's play open this debate and open this can of worms up for this offseason. And moving forward, it's going to be fascinating to watch this offseason. You guys will be covering it, and we'll be talking about it. We'll be back soon. Dan, as always, thanks for doing this. Yeah, thanks a lot, Joe. Thanks, James. You got it, Joe. Thank you. And thanks to all of you for listening to episode 81 of Talk is Cheap. Remember to subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, anywhere you listen to podcasts. You can find ours. Leave us a rating. It helps the show grow right here on NJ.com. Talk is Cheap.